Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk and if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content alright can we just get on with this now please filmbusters Adam we've missed you so much where have you been I've been I've been here I just haven't been here here I haven't been uh, anywhere really I've been busy I think well, I missed out what have you been the... busy with come on I missed out the JB record because I got called into work because loads of stuff happened Mm-hmm. And um, this is the stuff I don't care about. I'm waiting for you to tell us one thing that we want to speak about. <laughs> yeah, I've got a dog. So if you yes, watch the, if you watch the Patreon recording this afternoon on live, I'd probably put him in front of the camera. Oh, oh lovely! Aww. I'm going to leave him for the moment because he's currently sleeping in his cage. And if I awake him, he might. <laughs> if I awake him, it sounds like a demon. <laughs> it can be that sometimes when he's peace in his cage. It doesn't take a lot for him to. <laughs> to suddenly go puppy mode and start trying to eat cables and stuff. Well, this is very sweet. What's the name of your little puppy, he's, Adam? He's called Mocha. And, um, very hard yeah. for us to work out how we pronounce that name over it's WhatsApp not, messages. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, it could be Mocha. That's the thing. It could have been Mocha. Some people say Mocha. Francis, one of our patrons, keeps calling him Mocha. Yeah, some people call him Mocha. Some people say Mocha. I used to say Mocha. And uh, why did you get this dog? Because dogs are adorable. <laughs> Um, Why did you get this dog? <laughs> yeah, me and Gavin wanted the dog for a very long time, and we looked at a website and we adopted him from a family that were giving him away. So, do you feel adorable. responsible? Uh, do you feel like you can be responsible for a life? Yeah, you know I mean, they're they're they're, I mean, they're quite easy and also very hard at the same time. It's like, quite easy, he says. They're definitely not easy. <laughs> but there's like elements of like the first you were hoping week. they'd be easy, and then you realise they're not. Well, the first week was a bit more chaotic, cause, but now he's settled into his environment. He does a lot more things by himself, and he can be hey, left alone. And Dear listeners, uh, this gentleman got a dog on uh, Saturday. In the first seven days of, the, of having the uh, little dog on his Instagram, and for those of you who follow him on Instagram, you will attest to this, almost every evening, or every day, there was a video of him in some corner of the country doing some event that did not involve that dog and could not involve <laughs> that dog because some of it was gigs, some of it was golf. I literally went and played golf once and went to a gig once. You went to several gigs. I went to one gig. You went to a beer festival. You went to a beer festival, yes. yes. So, he can be you went left. To was, I went to No, I went to Dorking in the end. That was to play golf. You are a Dorking, mate. But no, he was, yeah, you are a Dorking. <laughs> He was left at home with Chelsea those days, and my parents were with him on Thursday. Only when we left him alone was on the beer festival, but he needs to be learned to be left alone, so... 
Very traumatised, this dog. Hot, tough love <laughs> from Adam. Tough love. Tough you, love. Can't, you can't baby them for the beginning because then they expect baby him. That poor single mother at home you've just left. Yes. <laughs> yeah. With the child. <laughs> He's a brute. But it's true. We've, we've had uh, th- uh, two episodes without Adam. We've had uh, we've had Saw X yep. and Aliens, and now you're mm-hmm. back with us for Jeff Goldblum's The Fly, Absolutely. or David Cronenberg's The Fly, or Gina Davis' The Fly. Yeah, it's lovely to have you back, Adam, and we are very excited to meet the dog one day. Yes, he will be. He'll be on Patreon later on, so you can sign up for a quid to see the dog's face. Wouldn't it be crazy <laughs> to have have Memphis Mocha and Maxi in the same room? It was Max would hate it. Maxi would hate it. If yeah. you put them all on camera, and it's all three of them staring at each other, in front and none of, of us are there. In front of the Blue Yeti mics. Yeah. We should try. We should try for sure. At some point, we should try that. And, they, and it, the people just tune into the Patreon, it's just all of our pets just staring at each other. They're like, what the fuck has gone on here? Oh, if you could do an audio edit over our pets, Paul, so that we're talking like this, but what you see is our pets. And their mouths are opening. <laughs> Prop that and peanut butter in their mouth. I just gave him some peanut butter and a little conk. Of course you did. It's called, a, it's called a kong, by the way. Conk, isn't it? Kong. Kong, kong, whatever. You're very fresh, it. this. You're very fresh, this. It's called a kong. It keeps him happy. <laughs> of course it does. Well, wonderful stuff. So happy for you, Adam. Very yeah. lovely. Uh, yes, everyone. Today we're doing The Fly. This is my pick from 1986. We're in the 1986 round. Oh, it's cool, the second film pick. of 1986. No, it's my pick. Oh. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking about this. But first of all, I guess we've got to talk about our patron www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters, where you can get exclusive episodes. You can suggest films for us to do. You can come on the show. And you can just get some lovely stuff over there with our lovely filmbusters family. Yeah. Uh, Adam, what are we doing on the patron after this episode today? We are doing our monthly roundups. So we talk about all our favourite films from October, even though they're still, when we're recording this, they're still a week left of October so the first three weeks of October I guess yeah and Mm -hmm. that means just to clarify that means when we do our November roundup we're allowed to talk about what we watch in these remaining days of October but not well we can't just pick what we want to watch it's those remaining days Paul correct listen that's what I did last time but you didn't allow me no it's from the last record (laughs) you were just doing it from like whenever listen it's fine you do make the rules whatever you want it to be it's fine it's okay yeah because I am going to see a (laughs) A film tonight, and I can imagine the film tonight I'm going to see will probably be not only top uh, of my month, but top of or my Or maybe year. it won't be. Or maybe it won't be. Or maybe it won't be, yeah. It might not be. I'm also going to see that same film, but this afternoon. Are you? Mm, what yes. time are you going? Quarter past three. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm going at seven o'clock. There's a brand well, new I'll come house. out and I'll, I'll uh, tell Ruin it I'll for spoil Adam the before. ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As you come out, I'll be going in. It's Was it three hours 40, isn't it, or something? Three hours 30, yeah. Fuck me, man. I know, that is long. I hope this picture has his comfortable seats. Oh, are you going to the new one in Ealing? Yeah. I'm going to the West Norwood one. Yeah, it's about a two-minute walk from my house. I can't really not go. It's crazy how how things have changed, right, when people are, like, saying how bad it was about the Irishman. I guess because it was going on stream there, wasn't it? That's why they didn't want to put it in cinemas. But I was so happy I got to see it in the cinema. Yeah, same. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even this is an Apple film. I think it goes on to Apple in January, but that's a good enough time, I yeah, think, yeah. between... Yeah. That's like more... I think even Disney don't even give it that long these days, but, um, yeah. Well, that's very the exciting. Thing, yeah. 
It is exciting. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Flowers of the Killing Moon. Is that Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> Whatever it's called. <laughs> Whatever that damn film's called. Yes, we're here to talk about The Fly, everyone. But uh, before that, we got to somehow go towards talking about The Fly and do our quiz about The Fly, Adam. Yes. You ready to do the quiz about The Fly? <laughs> I'm ready to do the quiz about The Fly. I'm about to ask these guys two questions. If they get the point, if they get it right, they get the point. If they get it wrong, I get the point. The scores currently stand. It's a little bit closer than when I last was here. Mm. I think so anyway. Paul has 25 and a half. I have 22. And Ben has 20 and a half points. Are you ready for question number one? Yes. Whose music is Brundle playing on the piano at the beginning of the film? Mozart? Beethoven. Correct, Ben. Oh, that, was, that was a guess. It says on the piano. If you look on the piano, it has a book that says the works of Beethoven, and then he's opened well, it. Well done, well done. Do you know what, I, Paul? I wouldn't have even guessed classical. It's only because you said Mozart. I thought it was going to be like yeah. some contemporary act or contemporary yeah. for the eighties. I knew. I remember it being something classical, but I just didn't. Know, I can't remember what song it was. If I get this right, I'm about to come out of last place for the first yes. time oh, this year. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? This one's a little bit more of a. I might let you have this within one point. I'll decide about how close you are. At one point, he's putting sugars into his coffee. And she says, Oh, that's him, a good question. How Go many on. sugars? Do you want any sugar coffee with your sugar? How many yeah. sugars does he put into his coffee? That's a very good question. That's yeah, a very, very good question. Good. And by the way, I don't say... know the answer to this. I was counting it in the film. So. Okay. So you do know the answer to it? Well, I do. But at the same time, it's me counting rather than. So it's probably wrong. <laughs> no, I think it's right. But... Uh, who is going to take a guess first? Uh, I'm going to say seven. Yeah, that fit, that feels about right. But put, uh, Adam, what's yep. the rules? In like, if we're if we're close I'll within decide. how many? I'll give you. The, I'll give you. I'll decide. Basically. So if you if you did like two points away from me, and it's like the one in the middle, we both get half a point. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say ten. Okay, well, one of you was one out. It was eight. Yeah, oh, of course. See, I would have, I would have loved to have said seven, but what was the point of splitting the points? <laughs> I gave Paul that point basically. Yeah. <laughs> I said it first. You can have half a point, Paul, and I'll get the other half a point, and then everyone's got half a point. But you said you get a point. I'm yeah. joking. No, I don't care to be honest. Uh, at least Paul's now on a round number, though. Yeah, he's on. Uh, and you're oh, no, he's not because he got a full point. Oh, I yeah. got twenty six point five. Yes, he did. 26.5 for you. 22, 22 for Adam. 21.5 for Rye. There we go. Well, good I'm question, glad, I'm glad we're this. Yeah, that was a very good question. I never I think that was the best that question of the that, year. Yeah, that was a very, very good question. Yeah. Very good. Well, should we go talk about the fly now? Yes, let's, let's do it. talk about it. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion, no compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to, uh, but Oh, I'm afraid. Uh... I don't know what you're trying to say. 
say. I'm saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it. But now the dream is over and the insect is awake. Hello everyone, yes, we're talking about The Fly from 1986 by David Cronenberg. This is a spoiler episode, we'll go straight into spoilers, no hanging around. So if you've not seen the film, you might want to go watch it first and then come back and listen to us. Right, there are three people who have been in films we have done before. All actors, we have not done a David Cronenberg directed film. So David Cronenberg was in Jason X. Yes, correct, there we go. Jeff <laughs> Goldblum was obviously in, what was the one that? Ben picked. Come on, Deep remember cover. the name? Deep, Deep cover, cover yes. and that Jurassic Park one. Yes. Fallen Kingdom. Yes, one person, one more person, and it's in a, a film we did. Mm, was it the beginning of this year? I'm guessing it's Gina Davis. No, it's not. It's the male. Oh, was it the other guy, the editor? Uh, yes. I don't. What's his name? John Getz? John Getz, yes. I, I don't I know don't if you're going to get it. I don't know what he was in. So he was the newspaper boss in Zodiac. Mm, that's really random. Yeah. Once you see him, they'll be like, oh yeah, that's his face. Mm. I would never have got it, though. No, but yeah, no. that's it. That's the three people. So, Adam, tell us the plot. Uh, so this film is about Mark Jeff Goldblum, who is a scientist, or Brundlefly, or Brun- Brundle, and then he becomes Brundlefly. Mm. Um, and yeah, he, yeah, he, he goes. He invents a teleportation machine, and when he's teleporting himself, eventually, a fly gets involved in the machine, and they basically bond. And over the rest of the film, he slowly becomes a fly. What do they bond over? I don't know. Yeah, what do they bond over? Mutual Fishing? interests and stuff. Science. <laughs> They both like science and they both like sugar. They do. Um, but this is quite the opposite to the way Bart Simpson turns into the fly in the Treehouse of Terror episode. Ah, yes, very good. Of course there had to be Simpsons. Of course yep. the Simpsons have done this. We should try and find a Simpsons connection to every episode we do. Isn't that for your reference, his job? That is. Actually, I believe it's Contrarian's job because Alex always references the Simpsons yeah, in almost every absolutely. episode. Mm. Go on, Ben. What you got? Um, that was good. Well, as you might uh, expect, there is shitloads of information and backstory on this one, so I couldn't cover everything. Uh, so I'll, I'll just do some top notes. So The Fly is David Cronenberg's 1986 remake of Vincent Price's 1958 film, which was in turn based on George Langerland's 1957 short story of the same name. Uh, a guy called Charles Edward Pogue wrote the first draft of the screenplay and he chose to focus on the gradual transformation from man to fly rather than the instant transformation that the original did. Uh, But 20th Century Fox so disliked the draft that they withdrew their commitment to producing the film and it was only when Mel Brooks, comedic personality Mel Brooks, came on board as a financier of the project that they decided and agreed that they would distribute it and because Brooks was so well known for his comedy films his name was left off of the credits to ensure that the film was taken seriously however he did not like Pogue's script so he sent it to another guy called Wallen Green who was hired to rewrite it and then when this guy rewrote it Brooks said I don't like that so he brought back the original writer again to tidy it up and then 
when they approached Cronenberg to direct it, he had to drop out of uh, doing Total Recall. He was going to be directing a version of Total was Recall he? at the wow. time, so he couldn't commit Total to it. Total Recall, Total Recall, or yes. any version of it. Yes, he was doing it with a different cast, different style and all okay. that. But anyway, he departed that project, but he didn't like the script, so he rewrote the script. And by the end of the film, there was only one line of dialogue that had survived from the original version of the scripts that this guy Pogue wrote. But how nice is this? Cronenberg insisted that this guy Pogue got a co-writing credit in the films because he said without uh, his blue f- blueprint, the story wouldn't exist at all. So even though that guy only had one fucking line of dialogue in the whole script, mm. he's listed as a co-writer. Nice. Um, Mel Brooks wanted Pierce Brosnan to play the role of Seth Brundle, but Cronenberg didn't like that. John Malkovich was then the next choice, but he declined. John Lithgow was offered the role, but he turned it down, saying it was too grotesque. Uh, Michael Keaton and Richard Dreyfuss were considered, but Richard Dreyfuss uh, refused to wear prosthetics. And finally, Jeff Goldblum was proposed by by Cronenberg because he was willing to to take take it all on. And then, because Cronenberg, uh, Cronenberg, because Goldblum was dating Gina Davis at the time, he recommended her for uh, the, the the female lead and Cronenberg was in agreement um, and uh, there's many other things god there's so much I'm not going to say much more there's there's multiple different endings of the film which we can talk about later uh, oh, cool. as well um, this one's the best though and uh, the film won an academy award for best makeup uh, at the time so in a year when uh, classes like special effects or prosthetics well, it was called makeup at the time, and I guess it is makeup because rather than special effects, I guess there is like pu- a little bit yeah, of puppetry in there. Yeah. But largely, it's uh, latex being layered over the top of him, etc. Isn't it? Isn't it called? Ma- isn't it called makeup and hairstyling now? Possibly. Isn't that what the awards? Hair called? and makeup, or whatever. <laughs> Hair and sure makeup, maybe. Yeah. 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 Right. So this is my film. So I get to decide the order of first impressions. I think I am. Gonna go first. We'll just do film buses order. This is do film buses order. Okay, so uh, this is actually only the the second time I've actually watched this film, surprisingly. But it has been calling to me to return since my my watch. I think it was back in 2019 when I watched it. So I did not have any. I don't have no nostalgia for this film. So mm. there's none of that. And but surprise, surprise, I loved it even more this time round. <laughs> Not, not to say I didn't think it was like great to start off with from the first watch. I did, but um, it was it's, it was it was a really great time. This this must be like the best use of of Jeff Goldblum's personality put towards a character. Just like the the erratic energy, the tendency to go off on tangents. It's just it just feels like him in real life, and it it, it feels like he's he's just wonderful in it. The and the effects are absolutely masterful not surprised they're one especially considering they're almost 40 years old they haven't aged a day their perfection just like me icky, horrendous <laughs> what this vomit inducing <laughs> that's, what, that's what i was gonna yeah. say <laughs> it's so horrible visceral but i love it it's great um the story's tight it's a brilliant length so it's surprising how long it takes for Brundle Fly to actually start happening, though, but it it just goes to show how how much there is to enjoy just about Goldblum and Davis together. But um, 
it's the best Cronenberg film. Yeah, that's my first impressions. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I I think I thoroughly agree with everything Paul said there. It's it's a great film. It's again, it's tight, it's quick, it's straight to the point. It doesn't really mess around. It's entertaining. It's fun. Um, like the effects and everything, or makeup, whatever you want to call it, is incredible. Really. Um, yeah, you can't really knock it. But yeah, and it's only the second time I've ever seen it as well. Um, oh. Yeah, it's just kind of great t- film in that kind of era. You could kind of see like the theme running between Alien and this, though. That, that kind of it was almost like a dirty kind of look to the film, isn't it? It's almost dusty. It's almost like there's a f- slight haze or a fog mm. in the room at all time. But yeah, it's a great film. Very clean, very to the point, and you can't really knock it. Nice, clean in and out. I've seen it many, many times. Uh, I'd said already in the Aliens episode that I gave. So this shows my hand, but mm. I said that Aliens was a 10 out of 10 film and there was only one film as far as I was concerned from 1986 that was better than it. And it's this film. Uh, I adore it. Also, it is absolutely tight. It is absolutely Cronenberg's best film for many, many reasons. It is Gold, uh, Goldblum. It's his best film. 100%. It's Goldblum. Yeah, I know. I was getting well, over Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, yeah, it was tight between this and Fallen Kingdom. I must admit, Fallen Kingdom. I must admit that that ten second uh, masterclass that he put on in Fallen Kingdom. Mm. Um, but it is uh, a joy. Uh, it's a brilliant film to watch from on a surface level, anyway. Just as this horror sci-fi, which it is. But what I love most about it is this core romance. Is is too stupid a word to use for it, but it is romantic this relationship between him and gina davis and it's the power of that relationship in this film and what happens to it by the end which is why this film is so effective for me because despite how ridiculous the concept is a man turning into a fly and everything that we see with the vomit and and whatnot and body parts falling off which is great the fact that you can then take your subject matter so seriously to the point where that climax happens and it's heartbreaking is brilliant because mm-hmm. it would be far, far easier to just do a grotesque, here we go, turning into a fly type, shocky, fun thing. But it was saying much more. Um, very, dev- very, dev- very devastating ending, which stays with me and is always what I remember most about the film. But on this, this viewing also, I saw a hell of a lot more in there about bodies... Like Cronenberg obviously has this obsession with the flesh anyway. In all of his films, yeah. he, he likes to merge flesh and machine, flesh and something. More often than not, flesh and the machine, which is what happened here. Even though it was a fly, he has to go through a machine to transform. But this, to me, felt like the most cautious of uh, Cronenberg's films about technology. But also, it was his, his, his most astute and most thought-provoking film when it came to what the flesh really means for humans and that by that i mean aging disease ownership of bodies there's a lot of stuff in there which is very very interesting and Mm. uh, i adore it and i still i'm not even going to make any bones about it it's the best film from 1986 and it is better than aliens as great as aliens is Mm. this is uh, the superior of the two Wow. If you, so if you were picking a film from 1986, this would be your best film? Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Interesting. Wonderful. Interesting. Mm. I can't wait to dig into all this stuff you've you've uncovered in this film on this watch. <laughs> Why not? It's not like it, it, anything is massively hidden, but the, the thing that I... Let's have a look at this, for example. Mm. When, for you two, that ending scene, right? Yeah. Does that feel very sad and very heartbreaking for you? Yeah, absolutely, because you can tell in, in Gina's face, like, the... It's like she's built up this relationship and this whole this whole thing has fallen apart and to see this man who she she really quite adored just in front of her, just completely removed from what he was. Yeah. And still can still carrying his baby, but doesn't want the baby because she doesn't yeah. want to have this kind of monster. <laughs> is this anyone about the baby? Yes. But we discount that oh, because it? nobody is wants it? to be tied to that. It Gina basically Davis undoes Gina Davis isn't in it, no. Okay, good. Yeah. Is it an awful film? Yeah, it truly is. Is Cronenberg doing it as well? N- no, no, nobody who was involved in this film was involved how long, in that. How long was left in between it? I can't remember. Something like four or five years, maybe. Oh, okay. It's, it's awful. It has no connection to it. Okay. It's really, it shouldn't be connected to this. Because it takes away the ambiguity of this ending, which is what happens. Yeah. Does she keep the baby or not? The sequel's like, yeah, she keeps it, and it's born, and it is fly-like. It's like, oh. Three lost. years later, it was. There you go. But that, but, but that, that emotional feeling in the end, that's, that's pretty incredible to accomplish considering what you've shown us in this film, which is yeah. a man yeah. crawling up the walls in a Phantom of the Opera-style, dramatic, yeah. horrific way, vomiting up. To ask us to take that stuff seriously and then also take that tragic ending seriously, I, I think, is only accomplished because of all the incredible work that he does in the build-up to him becoming Brundlefly. As you say, Paul, it takes a while for him to become Brundlefly. And it's just it's because you believe that connection between, between Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum and Gina Davis. I think that's the incredible bit thing about it is that you, in a film like this, you'd expect to not like the uh, it's not not necessarily he's a villain but he is the kind of villain by the end that they're trying to get rid of but yeah because you've built up this this kind of relationship and seen them seen their relationship grow together and and Jeff Goldblum's just so likable by the end you never you never feel so malice towards the character it's like oh man you just how did yeah. you get here kind of thing i know but that's not to say the uh the stuff we see throughout, like the 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 amazing practical effects, aren't something to draw you to the film as well. Because I think they're so well done, and they 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 haven't aged a day, man. They just look so good. And you could you could watch a film in the nineties with practical effects, and they just look shoddy. Yeah, we're here. It's like the whole the whole him at the end as the fly. It's just solid. It is. It is, it's just, it's it so is solid. Really, really solid. Mm. To the, to, the it, bit, to the bit where he's transforming into like the last stage of being a fly and how the whole like head breaks open and the skin's mm. falling off and it's like wow man that is that is some great piece of work right there that's art it is it is it's very very well done i was thinking the other day the problem with um cgi now as opposed to cgi when it was used in say the 90s right is mm. say something like terminator 2 when you use Terminator 2 blending practical effects with CGI effects, right? Yeah. 
back then it knew its limitations so it didn't try mm-hmm. to do too much with cgi so it worked yeah. but nowadays they think cgi is, the is beyond where it is yeah they think yeah. that it it is the be all and end all and it's not it hasn't evolved to the point where it can be used well enough so they use it in films now and it completely disconnects people because they're aware that what they're watching is fake. Whereas when you see that fl- Jeff Goldblum split apart and the fly come out of it, obviously on an unconscious level, you know it's fake. But for the purpose of the film, you believe that that's happening, which yeah. just doesn't happen nowadays with, with um, special effects. I really mm. can't see that happening in big, big budget films now. Well, I think that's the, I think it's the biggest crime in the '90s, really, because that's when they really lent into. Oh, look at this CGI, man! It's like, look, this is going to yeah. age so well. And it's like, no, none of it has. <laughs> it's just like people overuse it so much. I think there's a, there are films nowadays that that can pass. I mean, if you're looking at look at Avatar, the whole thing is CGI, and you can you can still enjoy the ride of it because it's the the uh, the technology has come so far but back in the 90s that was when everyone was leaning so heavily into it it's like man this doesn't work mm. it's all about the practical so it's interesting you say that because i think the 90s is okay time for cgi because it isn't yes. used a hell of a lot it's get used to the, get, it's get used really too bad, much there's now. some bad shit there <laughs> go on give an example i can't think of an example right now okay i know but well, this do you want of, an example of, of bad cgi uh, from now every marvel film the Mummy Returns. Oh yeah, the fucking rock. <laughs> yeah. Okay, when did the Mummy yeah, Returns but, come out? I bet that I was even early watched 2000s. fucking Now You See Me the other day, and there's like a scene in it when they first go into the house, and there's like water runs through the floor, and you're like, "This water is CGI. Like you can run water through a floorboard." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that's looks, tw- you know that's 21st century. Yeah. The Mummy Returns was 2001, but my point is 21st century. Because come even on. The, even the first Mummy, the Mummy film, the Mummy was CGI as well. So and that think, doesn't hold up. I also think that era of like 2000 and like like 95 to like 2005 when you had like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars um, mm. and The Mummy, it was like the verge of like HD almost or like better quality cameras. And like they yeah. came before the better quality CGI came. So it was mm, quite yeah. obvious. It put another emphasis on top of how bad that CGI was. Mm. And I think it took a couple, especially when they had such big budgets to do everything in CGI as well. It's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I think well, especially we, now because the fact that we're getting all these 4K restorations yeah. and that that is never going to hold up when you're putting this these uh this CGI from those films into 4K quality. Yeah. No. Whereas the practical effects always will because it's something yeah. tangible that was right yeah. in front of the camera. Yeah. Also, I think it looks better the more emphasis you put on it because it's like it enhances the craftsmanship almost of like what they did and you want it to be a bit shit like you want it to be like a Halloween costume or like a your pumpkin in your house, it's better to have one that you carved yourself than buying one from a shop. Yeah, so mm. it's better to do that than buy a plastic uh, yeah. one that's made. Yeah. yeah. So that that um, moment when, uh, right at the end of the film, when he's fully transformed into the flight and he backs into the pod yeah. and he's kind of like twitching a little bit and his, his mandible is sort of like flickering around, that feels real. It's crazy. But it feels real. You believe mm-hmm. that that is a fine. It's, it's unsettling because of that. If that was yeah. some CGI thing, it's like you just wouldn't wouldn't buy it. Anyway, no wonder it won an Academy Award. I'm so Absolutely. glad that this film mm. won an Academy Award. The fact that it did shows how things did used to be fucking better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's you can be in the room. I think that's a difference. You know, you could be in the room with that fly because it's a yes. real tangible thing. Whereas CGI, it's like well. 
nothing's really there. <laughs> so no, exactly. Why should I be scared of it? Kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I but can't the think level of, a scary of detail, CGI the level of detail, like especially if you're watching like in in HD now, just up up close, you can see the level of detail that's gone into making these these yeah. puppets mm. and this this practical effects. Amazing. That's what I mean. It gets better the more you see it. Mm. Mm. And also, Adam's just knocked over a glass. Um, just moved my chair. More than just that as well, that final uh, fly thing, it was how sickly they made Goldblum look as the film yeah. progressed mm. as well. That, that was very good. Like the, the whole thing, there were apparently seven stages of the transformation and they had different makeup and effects for the seven different stages. Like the first one was the, the sort of rash skin discoloration they were the first two evolutions of that. The third and fourth stage were the sort of bald spots, the the, the teeth, the nails coming off. Um, the next one was that sort of bodysuit, which had deformities in different areas, but not completely. The next was that full creature. And then the next was that telepod fusion at, at the end. Mm. Like all of that is incredible. Like something like that needs to be acknowledged. Did you know that... Um, a lot of people read the way that that he looked with the lesions and whatnot as an an analogy for AIDS, and people thought that Cronenberg was telling a, a story about the AIDS epidemic I guess at the it was time. Around that time, wasn't it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, makes sense. And the fact that um, you know, when Gina Davis comes around, he's like, "Stay away from me." Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't don't know if this is contagious, mm-hmm. etc. Whatnot. Has it ever been confirmed that it was or? No, in fact, he's he said he said uh, that he's heard people say that, and he never saw it that way. He saw it more yeah. as I mean, I never saw it that way until, but I guess at the time when everyone's like, if a film came out during COVID, yeah, mm. everything you'd have been like, oh, trying to make that link. Yeah, he said it was more about disease and aging overall. That that's what that it was about. It was about disease and aging and the loss of. I thought it was just don't fuck with science. Well, that too, yes, that too. I think that 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 especially that scene as well, where he comes out on the like the walking sticks, that just adds even more that level of empathy towards the character yes. because he's 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 broken down to like this frail man speaking about like fly politics and stuff like that, and it's like he's almost like he's deluded, and Gina Davis there like this man's gone like what has happened how's this mm. got how's it gone this far and it's so like there is a level so much empathy there for that character yeah. you can just, and, and you get that from from gina as well it almost helps you along with the ride that you're kind of along in her headspace as well i know very I, good i want to tell you that gina davis is superb in this film because and you don't like her I don't, it's not that I don't like her. Normally, I, I don't find her very engaging. Mm. But in this, she is perfect. And this film cannot be told without her character. It only works because her character is there at the heart of it as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you completely... she Every emotional beat that she has to do, you buy. You believe it. Yeah, and I, sure. I, I would almost say that she is your point of contact throughout this film rather than Jeff Goldblum yeah. because you're kept at such an arm's length from what Goldblum's doing because it's so extreme your one relatable person in here is Gina even though Absolutely. the film ends when Goldblum dies it's like well that's his story well, done mercy. we're done it's mercy though from her part it's, it's, it is mercy from her part yeah uh 
what of AI? Because when he starts entering that stuff into the computer, I immediately started thinking AI here. It's like Cronenberg yeah, predicting the future where people are like, you know, you know how AI gets it fucking wrong now. If you go in these yeah. things like ChatGPT or whatever, and you say, oh, uh, create a David Lynch version of a Friends episode. And mm, yeah. they do an image or something, and you're like, it's not quite right. Like things are blurred and kind of grotesque, particularly when it's images. It's, it's grotesque uncanny valley they haven't kind of quite thing. gone exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That is what these pods were when it was like, all oh, right, uh, I have a fly in here and a human. Uh, I guess this is what it should be. It's like, no, 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 you got it wrong. Mm. Mm. You don't understand. Like they keep talking about, you don't understand the f- the flesh. You don't understand what it is to be human. Computers never going to really understand that. He's never yeah. going to get that. That's why these fucking songs that they create, these poems that they create, these scripts that they create aren't never going to be good because the they don't understand what it is to be human. It's soulless, isn't it? There's no soul there. And no soul, yeah. When when Brundle goes in the machine with this fly, it's just like, oh, well, I assume, yeah, I've just got to put them together. Yeah. Because that's obviously clearly what he wants. He's put this in the machine, so I'm just fusing them together. That's what, they, that's what he wants. I'm not yes. making my own assumption there. <laughs> It's like, yeah. no, why would you want that? It's so, that, and <laughs> I love how the computer is used to give us the explanations along the way. It yeah. does it in a very clever way because it knows that it could be very complicated with science. But every time they come back to the computer, it's very basic and it allows, yeah. allows you to understand. But that revelation where he's typing, trying to understand, and the computer's giving him the answers, that's quite horrific. Mm, mm. And it's just elementary answers. Yeah. It's just yeah. like the, base, the most basic answers. It's like, considering this machine just combined like mega science, it's like, I'm just giving you really, you know, I just combined a fly and a man. <laughs> That's what know. you want, Brundle fly? Yeah. <laughs> and he is absolutely brilliant all the way through. Mm-hmm. Jeff. Yeah. Jeff he is. is, he's absolutely peak Jeff Goldblum. As you say, there's so many hand gestures which are Jeff Goldblum, fingers wagging in the air. There's a point when she says something like, I can't remember what she says. She comes over to his apartment not long after the experiment and she says something like, I think you you might be turning into something else, something not a man. And he just wags his finger in the air and he goes, ah, very good, yes. (laughs) You're dying, man. Don't be so glib about it. He is very good. He's very, very good. I could, you could just feel like it, half the stuff. It just feels so natural, like it just comes off the off the tip of, yeah, uh, his tongue. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not in the script the way he's acting right now. No, it's just the energy that he brings. It just makes it just works so well with that character because it's like it's supposed to be this this buzzing kind of insect that's just yeah. nonstop on sugar. How much? How big was like? Jeff Goldblum before this. I mean, what was his big film before this? I feel like this is what maybe put or him like on made the map. him into that kind of character, like the character he is. Like he might have been in other stuff, but this is the first film where he's like, "This yeah. is Jeff Goldblum. This is what I, when I think of Jeff Goldblum as an actor, this is what I think." Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's have a, let's have a look. What had he done before that? That was big. I feel like this was his big thing, and it probably helped that he wasn't very well known beforehand because I imagine our audiences probably bought him as this eccentric scientist because they had mm. seen him doing the Jeff Goblin thing before. Let's see. I mean he done he'd done a bunch of uh, TV. He'd done Buckaroo Banzai, but he wasn't big enough in Buckaroo Banzai. The big chill Don't need to see that. Annie Hall but just as a party guest, yeah, he hadn't really been a lead in anything. So yeah. The very his very first film was Death Wish. 
He played freak number one. What, with um, Charles Bronson? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, 12 years mm. before The Fly. Mm. Yeah, I um, think this definitely Halligan. put him on the map. Definitely 100%, yeah. Yeah. Great, it, it, is, it is great stuff. Um, what of uh, the abortion angle? So I, I love that whole scene because it, it it gives us it without so so obviously it's very over the top and silly right if they had it in the film but because it's a dream it almost like of course yeah it looks that's wonderful mm, <laughs> it gets yeah. so silly this massive worm like maggot thing coming out but it's like you get, the horror, <laughs> you get the horror of it but you don't have to link it's like oh now we're breaking away from reality even though you see this massive fly at the end <laughs> yeah like if it was a little bit too far having a maggot baby <laughs> I, it kind of works though i it like the work. fact that uh david cronenberg is a gynecologist because apparently yes. gina davis said the only way that i'll do this scene is if you if you played a gynecologist because she was what uncomfortable reason? with that setup because she was uncomfortable with being in that position and just casting some random person to play the right. gynecologist so she's like i right. trust you david you you be this person pull that maggot out of me pull, pull it out <laughs> but i mean like broadly like sort of broadly speaking about the abortion i think this is I'm, I'm leaving my big thing my big analogy for the film until we talk about the the more obvious stuff because i don't want it to color everything else but yeah in, yeah. in terms of the abortion thing uh, what i thought was interesting here is is that this is a film from the 80s that was essentially saying this should be the fucking woman's choice because yeah, yeah. you have a she's uncomfortable with having the child right she wants an abortion the one guy the father is going oh please don't kill a part of me basically you, you basically if you, if you if you abort it you destroy me completely there'll be nothing left of me and the mm. other one is like oh you're a bit you're a bit um upset at the moment give it a few days like taking away her agency when it should be her fucking choice that Absolutely. she wants to do it and uh, I, I liked the fact that it dealt with the, it, not explicitly, but it showed the two men as being fucking weak in them not allowing the woman to, to decide what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I also Absolutely. appreciated that guy's facial expression when he, she, he finds out she's pregnant. And at first he's like, yeah, he's like surprised. He's like, oh. Then he's like happy it's and not his. Happens. And then thinks about real the really what's going to happen. It's like, yeah. oh wait, I know. <laughs> While he was a fly, <laughs> I know. And that is the thing. I mean, we we will never know because we won't watch. We won't talk about that sequel. But we'll never know if she has that child. What it would have mm. been like. Um, uh, to the it- one thing though, talking about that, um, it it almost confused me into thinking maybe she wasn't pregnant because of the fact that it it leads on to a dreamlike sequence with the whole it's almost like oh it's weeks down the line right yeah i felt after when she wakes up oh is she actually pregnant because i don't i don't think they speak about it again until at the end when um she goes to confront him but it's also yeah. quite near the end though it's true it's true but i but i think it almost confuses me a little bit that whether she was actually pregnant or not uh, she well, was just imagining for the purpose yeah. of it. I she think. was she yeah. was pregnant, yes. But I just said, I'm just saying because it was a dream. I was I was wondering, well, was that scene just before that a dream? Mm. I think dream the scene where pregnant. they go to the gynecologist 
or not or whoever that is and they're talking about it and and he's like yeah the father is a, a disabled man we have yeah. reason to suspect blah blah i think all that's real it's the yeah, moment yeah, that she's that's wheeled real. out in the wheelchair yeah before going into surgery that i think the dream has has kicked in yeah and i think as i think as well that is out of everything that feels like the the first true moment of horror where everything else before it you almost there's still a level of sympathy there from Gina Davis regardless like mm. him him vomiting up and stuff it's all like it's funny and it's disgusting but yeah. it's never horrific until we get to this where she literally gives birth to this this maggot and the horror in everyone's face and you're like oh my god this is horrendous i think yeah. it's a proper first moment of horror and then from then on that is just pure horror from everything else i feel yeah because yes. it's all about feeling empathetic for this man. All right. Well, okay. So let's have a bit of this then. Go on. So here's my read on it this time. I have seen this countless times. In fact, the last time I saw this, I went with Ginny. We went to the Prince Charles Cinema to see it. I feel like it was Halloween one year. Can I, can I, can I um, say uh, where you might be getting some of your ideas from? Go on. A moment, because I was thinking, well, this, he's definitely trying to say something here. Is it when he's he's speaking about you, you're not comfortable with the flesh and everything like this? A bit of that, yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, we'll see. Okay, come on. Maybe. Um, when I went and saw this with Jenny at the Prince Charles many mm. years ago, the audience is was packed. And mm-hmm. throughout the film... They were laughing at okay. almost everything that happened. And pretty much en masse, pretty much everyone was doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was so cross because it was the first time that Jenny had seen it. And I'm like, this is not... There are funny moments, sure, obviously. But this is not a comedy movie. And if you are laughing all the way through this every time something happens, you are missing the point. Well, even him, like, crawling on the ceiling and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, it, like, okay. That's what I mean. That's not funny. You don't laugh out about it. But it's more like every time a line was said or every time some situation happened, like, people were cracking up every time they saw the next stage in Jeff Goldblum's transformation. It's like, it's not, it's not always funny. There is a, there is a dark humor Was it, like, throughout. one group of people that started it or was it just... It was the whole the Prince Charles and it was, it was the downstairs bit yeah, yeah, of yeah. Prince Charles which is big it's not yeah, that yeah. small upstairs screen it's the downstairs one yeah but I mean was it like one group of people that started the laughing and everyone joined in or was it like everyone from the beginning I can't remember but the point I, is I think I think that's a sign of just um, those type of screenings where you have these massive fans of the film like if you went and saw anything of a massive cult following they're it's, it's like if you go to see Rocky Horror. Obviously, it's a very different thing. Everyone's shouting out and getting really involved in it because they know it so well. I feel like it's maybe that same kind of energy for The Fly. But on a lower scale. I, ha- I, ha- I hated it, and it further yeah, compounded yeah, yeah. The, sure. the belief that I'm I'm right and the majority is wrong when it comes to yeah. film. <laughs> I, 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 stand by that. I, I, film. I know that is very uh, snobbish behaviour, but uh, I, I, I stand you by just it. Sound I that, people, you just need yeah. to clip that up, Paul, and just make that the whole the whole episode <laughs> of the film out of context. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I don't care. I don't care. I know that I'm right. So, anyway, the point was, up to that point, I'm like, why are people like... What is it? that is making all these people fucking love this thing rather than take, take, take it seriously. And it's because people are unwilling to engage be, 
beyond the surface of what they're getting in it because they're just mm-hmm. taking surface. They know there is something else there, but they're not willing to access it or they don't want to access it. If you don't want to, fine. If you're not willing, well, that's a weakness on your half. Here is what this film is about for me, and I really cemented it on this viewing. It is about the weakness of men on both sides. It is Jeff Goldblum and it is her editor. What relationships can do to a man, what it does to a man's identity, what it does to a man when a woman breaks up with him or leaves him. Case in point, Jeff Goldblum, normal guy, until he meets Gina Davis. He's, we can assume he's possibly a virgin or fairly virginal. He's a bit of mm-hmm. a geek. He doesn't really understand other people, just the way he talks. He's a scientist. He's disconnected from the yeah. world. He's a bit of an oddball. He has sex with Gina Davis, enters into a relationship with her. Then he's at that moment when she leaves him to go to her ex, when he discovers that she has gone to her ex, he goes through the machine and transforms. The transformation is his weakness as a man, his his jealousy, his insecurity, his Cockiness. potential controlling nature. All of that is embodied in, in his transformation after that. At the same time, the other guy, so and then it proceeds as the film goes on. It, it just keeps consuming him, the effect of this relationship. Mm. On the other hand, this other guy, we see him being weak. Like, he comes around her house, jumping in her shower. He wants to get back with her. He falls on his knees like, oh, please take me back kind of thing. He feels emasculated. His body, by the end, he's lost a foot and he's lost a hand in the pursuit of kind of redeeming himself. It's all about how these two guys in this kind of triangle with her have have just become totally corrupted by their petty jealousies and insecurities and, and the things that they want at mm-hmm. the expense of at the expense of of her. And this is why I think it, it is ultimately about what a relationship can do to your identity because you think you know who you are as an individual. You couple with someone, you twin with someone, you fuse with someone like he wants at the end. You go in there and I go in there and then we come out together there with the baby. Mm, mm. What about who you are without that? And it's the inability to be an individual once you have fused with another person, what it, what it can do to you. I, kinda, I think it is a romantic film. I do think it is has a, ro- a romance and a, and a real love between them at its heart, but I think it is showing the pollute how how little emotions can really pollute a relationship and pollute um, uh, how, how you how you see yourself because you start feeling insecure and whatnot. I think both men are incredibly incredibly weak. I think Gina Davis is the only strong person in this in this film. Um, yeah, I can and say I think that, yeah. there is something in there, hundred percent. That is a wonderful reading of it. Absolutely, I can see that for sure. Brilliant. It just it it, it, I, I, it kind of felt right on this view because every time it's no coincidence. Why did I spend so much time sort of setting up this ex that she was with? And it's no coincidence that he goes through immediately after talking about jealousy, and then when he comes out of the pod. And they mm. have an argument that, you know, that he starts evolving, feels stronger at first because he's had sex with her. So he feels stronger. He's cocky, as you say. But then he's like, you're jealous. You're jealous. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's like, no, no, you're the jealous one, mate. It's yeah. come from you. Feels like he has to go. He has to rebel off and go find another woman. 
Yeah. But that's not actually what he wants. <laughs> it's a very good reading of the film. Mm. It's, it's, it's one reading. And it breaks the question. It's an interesting question because it is, it's, it is essentially identity. And it is like you are... You understand who you were before you met Zoe. You understand who you were before you met Chelsea, right? You were a individual that existed without that person. Mm. You got into a relationship with this person. You fell in love with this person. Now you are coupled and twinned with that person. Are you the same person as before? Who are you now? Mm. Taking away the fact that yeah. you are with this yeah. other person, but who are you? I, I, I personally would say I'm still the same person. You are and you I are. I haven't lost myself. You haven't lost yourself, but it's changed. You're ch- you just changed another. You've got like another arm on you almost. Sorry, yeah. I mean, it feels you live like stuff that- through her now. You live what she wants. You like all the stuff that she's added. Well, it's a thing you pick up along the way because I've got two kids now. But have I changed because I've got two kids? Maybe I changed when. Maybe you can say I'm. I'm different when I'm with the person. Yeah, and then when I'm when I'm doing this podcast now, I'm exactly the same person that I was before, just with different a different mindset of of the things really? I've been through that through those times. There would be a evolution of the self that would have definitely. You happened. still look at stuff in different ways, even when you're by yourself, though. You don't look at everything the same way. That's yeah, I mean, just from getting yeah. old as much as it's from anything else. And that too, yeah. That's why I like this film so much because it's it's all of that. It's about aging as well. It is just about getting older and realizing that your body is not who who you who you are. Mm. Because the minute mm. that all his bits start falling off and he starts losing himself, like is he that same person? At what point does he not become that person? Anymore? I just love how there's a fine balance between being a fly and being like a superhuman. Before. <laughs> Well, yeah, he can he can uh, certainly snap arms like the best yeah. of them. But Love I think there's it's definitely there's definitely something there, as you say, um, from where you're coming from, because it feels so intrinsic to the whole story. This relationship and his relationship to Gina Davis it is it, like so part of the, his evolution and his relationship with her, and she is the most strongest person because she has a. Um, she always makes her choice to be to be there to to still be seeing him and to be to try and be helping him and yeah yeah she's 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 always has her own agency and she she thing. always she certainly always does and she never just does something for someone else like but, but you know when he calls her up after that month break and he's like I need to see you I'm not doing very well she could have been scared and timid she wasn't she went because yeah. there was a there was a love there there was a there was a, a a connection there a strength you could say it comes very quickly you could say their relationship is is rushed through and maybe there's a little bit of truth to that at the beginning it seems very quick but i it's also believable i think mm-hmm. there there is it does it does very cuz i don't really know how much time has passed you don't know how long they've been no. in this relationship really and cuz i feel like uh, it does feel like they've known each other for a long time or, or like Gina Davis hasn't been there for a little while because he seems like oh you come back yeah like it's been a while and the disrepair in his apartment it's clearly been a while but then who's bringing him donuts <laughs> well uh, Jenny said that but um, 
He's got Deliveroo <laughs> before Deliveroo was Deliveroo. Perhaps. <laughs> but isn't the bigger question who's bringing him baboons? <laughs> Forget yeah. the donuts. Also, yeah. Even back in the 80s, I still don't think I'd be having a baboon next to that, that close to my face. Aren't they renowned for just going absolutely tits for no reason? They're meant to be very violent. Yeah, for mm, no reason. Yeah. They are. That, that, li- that little one ran out of the machine though and jumped straight into his arms. Yeah, and but still, it takes one thing for him to go and rip your face off. Yeah, by yeah, all, by all accounts, it was a very volatile baboon on set, and um, Jeff Goldblum had to command its respect. And he he was along with the trainer. Only Jeff Goldblum could really get the respect of this thing, mm. but it was really volatile. I'm about to say, I can imagine you want to have a built a relationship with that that wild animal. Yes. Mm, uh, sure. I must say I'm very glad that there was a scene that was not filmed or if it was filmed was decided not to include there was a scene where Jeff puts a baboon and a cat in the transporter and it fuses and it's so hideous so he has to beat it to death with a pipe oh shit that's a little bit too much do they film it you say I don't know but I, I remember Cronen, uh, Cronenberg said if we include this in the film the audience will absolutely lose all sympathy for him and it's true Mm-hmm. You would, would you him. give it like a 6 out of 10 I would rank it down for sure because it's completely mm-hmm. unnecessary yeah absolutely um, so so did they film other endings I know you said about mentioned about endings so I, I, they weren't I don't think they were filmed I think they, okay. they, they were written and, and largely considered maybe they were filmed because I heard something about Jeff Goldblum being cross if one ending was hang on let me just check let me just check this so that we can just say once and for all if it was actually filmed yeah okay it was filmed so the two endings was uh one she gives birth to her baby after the after the events of the film she gives Mm -hmm. birth to it and it's uh born with butterfly wings so it's a beautiful baby so a kind of happy ending Mm -hmm. i know horrible no no um but the other one is she ronnie wakes up next to her ex who she's now married to and is pregnant with his child. And the revelation is it was his child and not Jeff Goldblum's. Oh, no. No. It ended Both. exactly where it should have done. <laughs> it did. It did. Didn't need that. Didn't need that. And I like that it, his identity literally ends with the film. Like, it is a, it's a jarring ending. Blows his brains out in a devastating way I had tears I, I have had for the last few times I've watched it but I had tears Aww. the other day and blows his brains out and the film ends there in that in that tragic tragic way because that's the end of that's the end of Brundle that's the end of Seth who he mm. was is gone we don't need to yeah. see anything else now yeah it's horrible him, him bringing that gun up to his head it is he, know, he knows he knows it was gone too far gone <laughs> when he's got a door halfway in him I know, such such a mental, absolutely mental uh, last move, isn't it? Mm, mm. To merge him with the machine. <laughs> that's but Cronenberg so loves this stuff. So Cronenberg. Yeah. But I, that's why I think that this is his best, because in all his films he explores this obsession with the flesh and, and what it means to be human and, and, and how we transform and connect and, and exist in the world. This is his best one of the flesh. It is the, the obsession with the flesh is the obsession with the self. Did you ever watch that the new obsession one? with not changing. No, I haven't seen it yet. That is very much obsession with the flesh. <laughs> it, I, always, I, it always has been. I um I don't actually like it when he's he he goes on about um 
the merging of technology and the flesh, though. Like, I don't, I'm like, not into like, like the video drone and stuff like that. No, you're not. Doesn't do anything for me. No. But um, this is yeah, this is very much on my street. I like, I like, I just like the visceral. It is flesh, just flesh transforming. That does yeah. it better for me. Merging of technology, just like oh, doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, but it comes through technology. I know what you mean. Yeah. But it yeah, comes it's, through technology. It's part, it's part of this, Yeah, it's part of the uh, the transformation. Yeah, but there is something that I only ever clocked on this watch, and I was like, "Oh, is that going to pay off later?" And it never does. Now, see if you boys, you go back and play it and see what you think. Mm. When he very first time he has her over to the house and he puts her stock in in, in the transformer, right? Yeah, yeah. He he gives a voice command to the computer. I can't remember what it is. He gives a voice command to it, right? And he then whispers. He whispers. Yeah. What the fuck's that? He it never he pays off because he's he. I think he says something like uh, teleport or something like that. So she do, he doesn't want her to hear what this thing's going to do. Oh, okay. So it's just a, it's it just something. giving a command. So she's right. surprised by what. Does he need time for everything in? Not at that point. He needs. He, he the has to start typing it in once his voice uh, fails him. Yeah. But the machine needs commands, so it's only him who can instruct the machine what to do. Just for, like, sec- I guess, security purposes. So nothing goes yeah. wrong. But it does go wrong. <laughs> Those And, 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 and the, the other thing about, about the machine itself, the pods, they feel very womb-like, very similar in aesthetic to the eggs in Aliens, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, again goes to this idea of men's control over reproductive reproduction wanting ownership over what can I swear and we can't say this be every born. single year mm. that we do a film it's always about pigs basically yeah because because we are even when men are, uh, men are the ones telling the story and and yeah. this is the thing unconsciously whether whether these people know they're doing it or not it is psycho was I saying this to you the other day Paul or was I saying it to Jenny it's not even if you ask the director, is this what you meant? They might go, well, no. But it's like you you were unconsciously doing it. You didn't realize. Like yeah. lots of us do things we don't realize we're doing unconsciously because of who we are, what what our experiences. It was you, Paul. We were talking about Spielberg, the far the, the oh, yeah, daddy, yeah, yeah, daddy yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Spielberg doesn't know that he has daddy issues, but he puts daddy issues in all of his films. Mm. In this, the aesthetic, it's a choice to make those pods kind of womb like. And it it is it is Brundle basically going. I will control what is born here. I will make. I will control what comes yeah. out of this. Yeah, I will have be, ownership yeah. over it, not the woman. The woman, yeah. Well, and uh, I'm sure there's lots of other discussions that could be had about gender fluidity and whatnot in this day and age in it. But I'm not best placed to be the person, the spokesperson for that. Mm. But it kind of does make sense with um, Gina being pregnant at the end and. It's all about her yeah. choice whether she wants to or not, and no one else can kind of make that choice for her. Yes, exactly. As much as as, as much as people want to. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's a, it's a very devastating ending because despite seeing all all this, he is a sympathetic character, but he you can view it as he he has been com- he is an enemy of his own. Yeah, he's killed himself effectively. He has. Yeah, yeah. Because whether it his was it, whether it was desire has killed him. Yeah, it was his scientific desire to rush into that machine, 
but it happened at the exact same moment that he was incredibly jealous of the fact that she went to her ex. So whether it was scientific ambition or a bit of toxic masculinity, jealousy, it it corrupted him completely. Mm. Absolutely. And there is 100% a thing of uh, identity changing the minute you merge with someone. Not necessarily who, not necessarily, it's it's a whole conversation about identity anyway, which many academics have written books on beyond me. But 100%, if uh, you'd never met Zoe Ball, you would not be who you are right now. Zoe if Ball. I hadn't met Jenny, I wouldn't be who I was. If you hadn't so. met Chelsea, you wouldn't be who you were. As and if you, as if you would be the same, if you would be the same, that's not a good thing, right? Because it means they you, would have, you have... They would have sacrificed themselves. Yeah. You grow. You grow. You evolve. You change. You have to. It's true. Yeah. You soften. You harden. You evolve together. Then you have children. You don't evolve on your own. That's where it gets... Yeah, I mean, I suppose you can, I suppose you can a bit, but like, yeah. A different type of evolution. Mm. More people are happy by themselves. That's good. There was also one minor... I'm loving those readings, yeah. That's very There was one other little reading, but it didn't, it wasn't a big thing, but it was kind of interesting, I thought, is that uh, Gina Davis is like a grunt and Jeff Goldblum is like a grunt because both of them don't actually own their work like Jeff Goldblum has these financial backers who are like yeah. we don't care what you're doing but here's the money to do it but actually they would have control over the intellectual property of this whole thing I think and Gina Davis she works for that magazine but it's actually the magazine and the boss who own the story not her yeah and they control whether they want to use the story or not and when yeah. they want to push it out yeah little grunts little grunts <laughs> little maggots little maggots but there's a whole there's so much that could be said in this this thing man it's 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 a joy a joy of a film but in a very dark horrible way it's a horror definitely film not, but definitely not, not in funny. the traditional sense <laughs> definitely no, not I mean, funny it has it has its funny moments things yeah. that make you laugh but for not sure all the time no no not laugh out loud in the cinema every moment <laughs> no no definitely not the best horror films have funny moments they do. It, it's to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, you need to sit uncomfortable. Yeah. Him spewing up on those donuts, man. That's that's <laughs> great. I know. <laughs> Gross, but great. And the fact that you guys, oh, that's disgusting. And I'm sure he, because uh, in that moment you don't, it cuts away from the screen. But he said, and this is how I, I actually eat it back up. And I imagined, surely some kind of spout comes out of his mouth or something. Yeah. Because... Yeah. <laughs> And you just see the guy's tongue. reaction. I thought he yeah. had a long tongue. <laughs> or a tongue, yeah. Something like that. Such a yeah, such a brilliant brilliant film. What um out of out of everything gross that happens, what is the thing that grosses you out the most? He's his face was, yeah, when it's all like I think he don't know when he loses his teeth. That is quite uh, Yeah, the teeth thing's pretty horrific. I think the squirting, for me. squirting of his fingernail yeah, uh, that's that all me. over the mirror. Yeah. Mm. Any any fingernails falling off it always because it feels like something that can just happen to you. Like my head's not gonna split open as fly's not gonna come out. <laughs> but oh, my nail not. might fall off. <laughs> you hope not, it might happen. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> and the teeth is uh... Yeah, teeth horrible. They just fall um, out, don't they? But how would they fall out? They just he, he has a pencil in his mouth oh, while it. he's they flick thinking. Out. Yeah, yeah. 
they just fall down over his keyboard and he <laughs> adds them to the museum. He's yeah, like, you're yeah, a relic. I love how he's got to a point where the, all these things are falling off. He's just like, it's just, it's just another thing. <laughs> it's just yeah. another thing that's come off. Yeah. He's he evolving. has balls in there as well. <laughs> and and uh, I, my favourite moment of the film, apart from the ending... But my favourite is the is the line following the insect politics thing, which is like, I don't know what you're talking about, and and he says that great line. He says, "I'm an insect who dreamed he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over and the insect is awake." That is that great, excellent, such a great line. And I yeah. think this is this is just to show as well, like he does care about Gina Davis because he's trying he to tell her this is you need to stay away from me because. Yeah. I'll the, hurt you. Uh, yeah. uh, insects are ruthless and there's no kind of sympathetic yeah. mm. thing towards them. So as soon as I make that change, Compassion. it's over. Yeah. yeah, my humanity is gone. It's, yeah, it'd be stripped away and it'd be gone. But then all of that goes out the window when he finds out he might be a father. And mm. he's like, actually, let me smash through the fucking glass and steal you away to make you have that baby. Yeah. That's a bit toxic. <laughs> it's true, yeah, yeah. But again, I guess it's more of him trying is... to live on, though, rather than he knows he's dying and the only way he can live on is through that child. I know, but at the at the expense of a woman yeah. who doesn't want to. Yeah. But at the same time, this comes after he has that speech, so maybe the changes happen where the, the insects taking over more. Set in. Yeah. yeah. I want to be the first insect politician. <laughs> it is it is just a, that is probably the greatest scene in the film just yeah. because of how it's you just see how how far gone he's gone mm. and Gina Davis's face when he's saying this like man he's he just wants to be this insect now yeah, yeah. if that's it it's too far gone but also the fear of but I'm scared I won't be able to be that politician because I'll have no humanity left to even be that but yeah, he's got exactly. no humanity anyway. Yeah. It's a very, very tragic thing. Very, very tragic thing. Yeah, yeah. And it is cautionary. Do not fuck with science, as you say. Mm -hmm. I think there's just one line as well that always sits with me. It's, it's kind of throwaway, but it kind of adds a nice little punch. And it's when he just he just sings, uh, no, no, lady who swallowed a fly, perhaps she'll die. Mm. It's like he knows that the end might yeah. be coming at this point and it's like yeah. oh man he should have swallowed a spider to catch the fly <laughs> that's yeah. what he should have done <laughs> imagine just put the spider in with me and I'll transform and then you get a cat to get the spider <laughs> the dog is some like hybrid animal man yeah <laughs> um, but, oh here's one thing that I have to say because it's just it's funny how this how this aligns. The, the fly is now connected to two other great podcasts that we listen to. Movie Drone just released an episode mm -hmm. on the fly, yeah. which is great. Because it was his birthday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They released it on Jeff's birthday, seventy-one. We Jeff worked that proactive. Seventy-one, we man. Um, Nuts. And also, the very first Contrarians episode I ever listened to was when they released the fly. I didn't realize they did the fly. They did mm. the fly, and and the reason I, I think I told this story at, at the time when they came on as as guests. The reason I remember that one so well is my granddad had just died, and I was like sort of looking for you know distraction and whatnot. So I was looking yeah. at other podcasts and 
found this and they had just released that episode that week and I remember it being like oh this is this is nice this is fun this is nice conversation at a, at a bleak time so yeah. shout out to them as well Aww. contrarians we love you we love still the contrarians and movie drone day. we love you still distracting to this day we do um, anyway both uh, Mark and Steve gave uh, the fly they do their marks out of 100 I think Mark said something like 70 70, 70 something late 70s mm. and Steve was more like 82 83 I look forward to seeing where nice. you boys are going to land what you want to do that now unless you've got anything else to say I'm happy to do it now no I'm happy to do it now uh, <laughs> solid 9 out of 10 9 it's not out ma- of 10 it's not making the 10 but it's a 9 out of 10 it was 8 it was 8 before but it's gone oh, well, to the 9 now yeah well that's that's a good lead yeah, it's one of those films that's a bit weird for me it's like I can't fault it but for some reason it doesn't make it beyond an 8 it kind oh. of just sets in that realm um, there's some I mean normally those films go to an 8 but for some reason this one I don't know why it just sits on that 8 for me it's a very oh, that's, fine. Nine, that's fine that's fine I think maybe maybe I would hazard a guess Adam that it might be because ultimately horror isn't entirely maybe. your bag and there's yeah. horrific elements in it that make I it I mean I don't not... care it's just like it just, it just, it's, I can't fault it for being a film it just some reason it doesn't resonate with me beyond an 8 yeah that's alright you know when it gets to the 9 that's all right. Well, check it out, boys. That averages the film out at a 9 out of 10. Well, did and you give the, it a 10? I give it a 10. You didn't ever said that. You just said that. You said oh, I did knew. it at the beginning of the episode. We you know where I stand, <laughs> okay. baby. I said it was better than Aliens. So for the yeah, second no, week in a row, we have a film going into our top 20. Wow. Uh, wow. 1986, hell of a year. So it averages at 9, boys. Here we go. Uh, better or worse than One Night in Miami better for me better better or worse than Clockwork Orange better for me I'd say Clockwork is better oh shit all to decide oh man it's a big call that one it's a big call that is a massive call yes am I interested to see how far it goes well, you no, know, you don't have to play that game. Just be honest. I know, if, if I know. It's not better the, than Clockwork. You the can, fact of the you matter can... is, I've when both rewatches of these both these films elevated to a nine. Uh-huh. I had them both on an eight before, so they're both worthy of contending. Uh, which is which is worthier, Kubrick or Cronenberg? Goldblum go or on, McDowell? Fly goes above. I could probably it's got more rewatchability. It's hardest to watch Clockwork. Nocturnal Animals is better than Nocturnal. Nocturnal better. is better for me. Better than Nocturnal. Uh, here's, here's where it ends for you, Paul. Face Off. Yeah, yeah it doesn't beat uh, Face Off. It's better than Face Off for me. What about for you, Adam? I'd say it's better than Face Off. Oh, well, it goes Ooh. above Face Off. And check this out. Casino. I think it's better than Casino. It is better uh, than Casino. It's not Casino. Uh, it's not better than Casino. Okay. Well, that, that is, that's a very good run. Uh, so... Yeah. It is our new number 12, above face-off, but below Casino. And that pushes Jamie's Robocop out of our top 20. Goodbye, Robocop. Goodbye, Robocop. Was lovely to see you. is the new number 20. Uh, we're shaking things up this year, boy. We are, jeez. We are shaking things up. Um, I'm very happy with that. Good yeah, stuff, Yeah, very Paul. good. Yeah, great stuff. Wow. Well, Adam, what have we got next? Yes, so you ready? I think so. Are we, are we well, not doing no patron thing first? Oh yeah, we do the film. I keep forgetting this. Yeah, we do this first. Um, so this film came out in 1986, obviously. Should Luckily. hope so. Um, it, 
I don't know what else to say about this film. I don't know a lot. It's got I think John I know Goodman. What it is. It's got John Goodman in it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> John um, Goodman. It's about a small but growing Texas town filled with strange musical characters. Celebrates. It's I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> With, I don't know, I have no coverage idea on a local is. parade on a talent show. Uh, David Byrne is the main character. Oh, what? Wow. It's called True Stories. Wow, this is a fucking curveball from you. What is this? It's it's a, a, it a two out of uh, four out of ten, but everyone else has it really high. I'm not even going to look into what it's about because I didn't understand your description anyway. So well, I'm no. not even going to look into it. But where can it be seen, Adam? Uh, we're probably going to have to rent this film on YouTube. I did look at it, and it was on YouTube to rent and stuff. So. True stories. True okay. story. What a, what a curveball. That is a curveball. Wow. I've never even heard of it. Nor have right. I until... It's on my watch list for some reason, but I didn't know about it until I went onto my watch list to see what films I had. That'll be because of David Byrne, though, right? Yeah. He directed it as well. Oh, David Byrne wow. directed it? Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a musical Yeah, I think film. it's about a talent show or by the local parade and talent shows. Oh. It's going to be weird characters and a talent show. I well, recognise the uh, poster. That's going to push up John Goodman in my uh, all-timers, because John Goodman's already in my most watched actors of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, this yeah. could be interesting. Clocking it at 89 minutes as well. Yeah. Oh, good. Nice. Another Sweet. nice tight one. Very good. Mm. Well, good one, Adam. Didn't expect that. <laughs> no, didn't expect it at all. Well, what did I? Should we move on to what our patrons have to say this week? Yeah, may as well see what those people want to say. Okay. I get the well, money's worth out of us every Basically, our patrons, they let us know what they've been watching, the best and the worst of the past week, and we speak about them and say whether we agree and then shoot them down or we uplift them. So it should be. You can get all that content at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters and become part of the family, just like the likes of Luke Bennett. Yes, you can. You can also join Francis Ciberini. You can also join Andy Bishop. You can also join Stephen Mark. Go check out their Fly episode. Yes, you can. You can join Brent from Home Video Hustle. You can join Luke Human. You can join Mr. Nerd Revert. Yeah, you can. You also got Julio from The Contrarians. You got Jamie, who started us off with 1986's Aliens. And you got Katie and OT. There we go. So, ooh, first ooh, of all, ooh. and only of all, we've got Mr. Luke Human, who basically said the good. 2016's The Belco Experiment, a white-collar worker battle royale that knows exactly what it's doing and manages to maintain the logic of its world. There's little to seriously consider here, and the tone is more reminiscent of Cabin in the Woods than its Japanese predecessor, but for those that have spent time in office environments, there's something delicious about the carnage that ensues. The Belco Experiment, anyone seen that? Uh, I think I have. Is it the one where they give them power and stuff like that, and people just go absolutely mental? Is that where they're in prison, where they where people are guards and people are? Well, yeah. Like, oh no, no, I, I've, no, 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 no. I have seen the Belco experiment. Yeah, 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 I have seen it. Yeah, it's when they're in an office building. Yeah, that's yeah, right. But, the, but some yeah. people get put in charge. Yes, I can't remember if some people. It's kind. Of, it was a fine film. It was a good film. I can't remember the details about it. It was. It was a case of like survive in this office. We we're locking the doors down. Not all of you are going to make it out of here alive. Type thing. And everyone's killing each other and stuff, That's aren't right. they? Yeah. yeah. It was, it, yeah. It, as Luke says, kind of like a Battle Royale-style office building yeah. setting. Yeah, it was good. I remember it was It was good. I remember you telling me to watch it. Well, I didn't love it, though. I remember you saying, oh, something really good happens at the end, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, 
Mate, I wish I could remember what that was as well. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? But we remember kind of liking it, Luke, so you're probably correct. (laughs) He says the bad. 2022's Pearl to the sequel to X. This is a lot of effort to go for what is essentially a backstory for a pretty average homage to 70s horror. It reeks Mm -hmm. of vanity... It reeks of a vanity project and while it works stylistically nicely invoking studio output of the 30s the caged bird aspect is overhammed goth however continues to grow in my estimation and it's easy to see why she and west developed this i'm hopeful for maxine but will need it to be something more dynamic to give the trilogy substance not interested Guess- whatsoever that M- goth is the most overrated horror person right now everyone is losing their mind o- over her she's no good <laughs> Well, guess what? What? I'm speaking about it in our monthly roundup this week. What, Pearl? Well, yeah. I, I certainly okay. hope it's your worst. Can you well, insert that clip of see. Ben saying, I'm right, everyone else is wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I just have a button that, that plays that? <laughs> so, I guess if you want to hear my thoughts, you're going to have to see the patrons. So, yeah. Sign up if you want to hear that. And that's well, it. That's our patrons. We'll discuss it there. Excellent. Good. Well, true stories is where we go true to next. True stories. What a curveball. What absolute curveball. I'm not going to look into it at all. No, same. So that's, like that's a musical, right? Yeah, I feel like it. You know what? It's going to be like um, Pink Floyd's The Wall kind of thing. It'll be like a story, but with a bunch of songs all the way through. Not like mm. not like a typical I don't musical. Know necessarily, I think it might be more of like an ending of a, like Eight Mile or something like that. Eight mile, David, <laughs> David, Byrne. David Byrne rapping on stage. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, it's not all about music. There's what heavy stuff. moments and acts, but not all about. Well, mm. mate, I'm looking forward to it. That's a that's an absolute curveball. You've gone against time. See, not, what normally happens is you like to sometimes hit the big boys, but because we've gone out, come out of the, the traps running with aliens yeah. and fly, you've decided no, 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 this is too big. And that's what you guys said obscure. to me as well. You were like are we going to go big the whole way year? And I'd say, I feel like this is a fairly big and not big film. Like, as soon as I typed in Google, yeah. like films of 1986, it was like the full film that came up as well. Like, well. That's cool. That's I feel cool. like it's just, it might be an American kind of thing, but I don't think it's yeah. like completely under the radar of, I can well, have my letterbox have seen it. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone. The fly was wonderful. And yeah. that's what you got to look forward to next. Other than that, come over to the Patreon and join in the fun. Join in the fun. See you there. Goodbye. Ill Buster.